Hey, Church. Hi, Church. Good morning. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. It's nice to see Good you. Morning. Good, Good, morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. I know. Good it's morning. a beautiful day. Nice shirt. You look Good really morning. rested. Good morning. 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 Nice to see you. Welcome back. Welcome. Well, hey, good morning. Just picking up my church bulletin. Special thanks to Carrie and Yarrow for passing them out today. Great job, guys. Hey, you know, Psalm 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And that's our heart. That's our prayer for you this morning, that you will rejoice and be glad in this day, the, Lord, the Lord's day. The day that God has blessed us with right now, that you would rejoice and be glad in it. One of our blessings uh, as we would gather here on Sundays would be laughter that we would hear throughout the building, throughout the morning. And, and it's okay to laugh. It's okay to rejoice. It's okay to celebrate, even via video. That's our heart. A lot of the things that we do uh, in, in creating these Sunday videos is to uh, maintain that sense of joy and celebration as a church family. So I invite you to actively participate, to worship, to be in the Word, but also to celebrate our time together. Uh, we're going to have a welcome from Tyler and Kim. Bill's going to lead us through scripture reading, and then Vinny and Shiloh will take us into our first worship summer. So God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning, church family. I'm Tyler, and this is my wife, Kim. Good morning, everybody. We sure do miss you and can't wait till we can all gather together again soon. We do truly miss you. I miss your smiling faces walking up to the church this Sunday morning to worship together. That is going to continue soon. But in the meantime, we need to focus our eyes on the Lord and just trust in him because he has control of the situation. I'm going to pray right now and then we're going to go into scripture reading. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We just thank you for what you are doing during this time. And we just want to keep our eyes focused on you, Jesus. So just bless us as we receive your message from Pastor Richie this morning, that it may just pierce our hearts. And it is your word, Lord. And we just trust in you and everything we do. We love you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to continue in worship this morning with the reading of scripture, the corporate reading of scripture as we tend to do every Sunday when we're together. And so we're going to continue uh, with that, even though we're not together, not physically anyway. Uh, so uh, we're going to be reading out of the Psalms. Uh, we're going to read Psalm 96, verses 1 through 9. Uh, so out of the ESV. So if you have your Bibles handy, um, I suggest that you uh, get them and, uh, and open them to Psalm 96. Uh, and if you don't have them handy, why not? Anyway, uh, Psalm 96. Listen, the psalmist here in this case was probably, uh, and most likely it was David, um, uh, starts by giving us this, this, this imperative. Um, in fact, three times in the first part of this song, he tells us to, uh, he tells us to sing. And he follows that up uh, just subsequent to telling us to sing. Uh, and it's an imperative to sing. And then he gives us uh, this idea of, of making a proclamation that we should be proclaiming God's salvation uh, every day. Every day we should be proclaiming salvation. And you see as we continue to read in these nine uh, verses of, 
of the 96th Psalm, uh, we're going to see that we're also to declare his glory. And uh, then the psalmist tells us why we're to do that. Uh, so pay particular attention to verse 4 when we begin reading. And finally, uh, we'll see in the last three verses that we'll read, uh, verses 7, 8, and 9, uh, we're told actually what to do with all of this. So like the first three verses telling us how vitally important it is to sing, <clears throat> excuse me, the last three verses tell us how vitally important it is to ascribe, which simply means to credit or attribute as a quality, in this case a quality of character, God's character. So with that introduction, uh, let's open the Bibles now that you've found them. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Psalm uh, 96 and let's read together. But as opposed to just saying the words this week, just reading the words for the sake of reading them, uh, I would encourage you um, to, to use this time as an act of, of worship because worship is a response to, to who God is. Uh, and so listen to the words, let them penetrate as you're reading them, and, uh, and then even go back um, uh, later today uh, uh, this evening, perhaps, and, and, and read this psalm again. Read the entirety of Psalm 96 instead of just the first uh, nine verses. There's 13 altogether. Um, and, uh, and, and let it penetrate the character of God and, and what we're to do and why we're to do it. Uh, it's, a, it's a very encouraging song, and, um, and I, I, I encourage you to read now uh, with me. We'll read it corporately uh, as an act of worship. Are you ready? Okay, Psalm 96, verses 1 through 9. Ready? Begin. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Let's continue in worship.
This is Mark Bodycomb. Hi, I'm Kathy. And we're here to introduce Meet and Greet in our service today. And we know that everybody's sad, just like we are, that we can't do Meet and Greet in person. But we're really looking forward to it. And right now we're doing virtual ones. But we wanted to remind you about how fun it is to actually do Meet and Greet physically when we're together and take you on a trip down memory lane. So enjoy it. See you in a little bit. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Kathy? I'm fine. I'm really glad to be here today. Now you take care and I'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, look, here come Tyler Larson and Matt Henderson. Hey, bro. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? Yeah, awesome, dude. I'm really looking forward to today. You have an awesome day. You too, bro. See you later. Well, look, here's Randy saying hi to Matt and Aubrey Norris. Howdy there, Matt and Aubrey. Well, Matt, I'd love to shake your hands, but you don't have any hands. Oh, Randy, you're so funny. Please pray for him. And <laughs> you have a blessed day yourself. All righty. And here come... Isaac, Han, and Vinny Latanwa. Hey, dude, give me five. Yeah, hey, really looking forward to your music today. Yeah, cool, you got an awesome shirt on, nice outfit today, too. Yeah, thanks, dude. Hey, let's hang out after church today, huh? Yeah, that'd be cool. See you later. Well, here come Bill Burr and Darianne O'Brien. 
Hi, Darianne. How you doing? I am doing great, Bill. How are you? I am fine, fine, fine. Thanks for asking. You have a blessed day. Give me a hug. Well, look at this. Here come Jordan Stufflebeam and Shiloh Latanwa. Hi, my little Tanwa. Hi, my sugar beam. Oh, I love it when you call me that. Oh, I love you. You have a great day. Give me a hug. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we know that was short and sweet, but we wanted to just give you an idea and a, just some fond memories of what it was like when we could actually meet in person and give you something to look forward to when we get to do it again in the future. But today for our virtual meet and greet, we're gonna start off with some of our brothers and sisters at the Triple C. So take it away and enjoy. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, Luella. <laughs> we want to be part of the meet and greet. We miss you guys. We love you. Thanks for the service. Well, hello from the CCC. We miss you guys. We look forward to you coming back. The Triple C, I'm being told. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you soon. Hi, church family. My name is Pat. And I'm Kathy. And we just want to say how much we miss the church. Uh, it's nice going to church in your pajamas, but it's not the same to be there worshiping God together looking at each other eye to eye, shaking hands and just, and just showing our love toward each other in God. And I also miss you um, and look forward to the time when we can have coffee together and uh, fellowship again. Bye. I love you, church family. Greetings, church family. Randy Brooks here again. Honored to bring you the offering segment of this week's Cyber Church. Uh, Want to let everybody know that we not only take Mail still at 1290 Grand Ojai. We've got online giving via our church app or the website at ovcfchurch.org. And uh, new this week, we've got a mail slot in the office door for those of you that are shamelessly out and about in Ojai and want to sneak by with a mask on your face and maybe drop something in the mail slot at the church. Uh, please do that rather than the mailbox out in front. Postal Service is kind of frowning on that. And um, I just want to take a moment to pray for the offering as we collect it here online. Father, we do just praise you and thank you for the, for the many blessings in our life, Lord. We just praise you and thank you for the uh, peace that you give us through this COVID-19 issue, Lord. And we just, uh, we just again would ask that you would be with those that that would seek you and and desire to be with uh, be with you lord and that through life and eternity that you would give them a peace and an understanding lord of your love and all that you bring as we seek you in our lives and we just again ask for your blessing over this offering we know that your work continues lord and we know that uh, there's mission work that we have to be done and we are honored and privileged to return to you a small portion of what you've provided for us. In your name we pray, amen. Folks, it's been great. Uh, I can't tell you the opportunities this week that uh, the Lord uh, the Lord may have blessed you. Uh, there may have been a, a $1,200 check, a $2,400 check show up completely unannounced that you could bless Jesus with. You might've even gotten an additional $500 for each child dependent in your home. 
At any rate, if you are not struggling because you're working and you can reach in and do a little bit more for the Lord this week, we know that he's blessed us all in many ways. And I know we want to keep lifted in prayer those that are struggling, that have lost their jobs, hold them up, and the many consequences that we don't yet know of through the situation that's facing us. But at any rate, it's been a pleasure coming to you again this week. Uh, blessings to everyone, and I'm praying for you all. Uh, email address, randy at ovcfchurch.org. Would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to get involved in our Tuesday night co-ed Bible study on Zoom, you can reach me there as well, and we'll get you hooked up with an invite link. Anyway, I look forward to seeing you somehow, some way about town. God bless you. Good morning. I have a few announcements for us. The first one I'd like to talk about is our online studies. We have online studies for youth, young adults, men, and women's. If you have any questions about those, click on the online bulletin, and it'll give you all the contact information that you might need. And also, it's not too late to join. You can join at any time if you like. Also, I'd like to talk about the pop-up food pantry that we are volunteering at every Monday. If you have any questions about that, you can also go to the bulletin and see for further information. It's every Monday until May 18th. And now, let's see what the Kingdom Kids are up to. Welcome, Kingdom Kids, to our second week of Finding Jesus Under the Sea. This week, we're going to talk about crabs. You know, those cranky, mean-looking kind of creatures that live under the ocean? Hey, why wouldn't the crab share his toys? Because he was shellfish. Have you ever been in a bad mood and someone called you crabby? I think we all have. This week's story, we're going to learn about a very, very crabby prophet. He didn't want to listen to God, and he fought hard trying to hide from him, too. We can't hide from God. He's always around us. We can always talk to him, too. Anyways, he realized that he needed to listen to God, and when he changed his attitude when he was crabby, oh, was he happy, and he was just getting blessings left and right. Anyways, we're going to learn more about him. So check out our week's lesson on the church website under Kingdom Kids and also our app. Now stay tuned to hear more from some of our awesome Kingdom Kids. Until next week. Hi, I'm Timmy. And I'm Maddie. And I'm Max. And we're the Owens Kids. We miss you guys and we hope to see you guys soon. And also we really miss Kingdom Kids. But for now we're just going to keep swimming. Well, good morning, church family. Jordan here again. Uh, today I have the privilege of sharing just a little bit and leading us into communion, or I guess I should say rather inviting us to partake in communion in whichever way uh, you know that works for us at home. Um, obviously, it's very different. Uh, some of us are some of us are remembering through orange juice or uh, you know the the regular grape juice. Anyways, uh, so communion. Uh, I'm going to be reading just a short passage here in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. It'll be verses 23 through 26. Very familiar verse. Um, and so I'll just go ahead and get started. So it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And uh, something that really stood out to me with that, because uh, this is something we do quite often, um, and you know, just it's a regular occurrence for us. It's a little different now that we're all kind of at home with family and not together. Um, is really the remembrance. And when I think of, it says, do this in remembrance of me. And also there's a note in there about it being kind of like a memorial. And that takes me back to the Old Testament when uh, something, you know, fantastic or crazy would happen. And for example, the, the Red Sea, or when they crossed into the promised land and they crossed that, the, the river and, you know, they allowed the, the priest to go with the um, Ark of the Covenant and they would set up stones. They would set up stones and stack them on top of each other uh, as remembrance. And uh, like, hey, this is what happened. So you can tell your kids and their kids and their kids and generations down. And I just think about that with the Lord's Supper is doing this in remembrance of me. And I think about honestly how easy it is to forget uh, even the most simplest things. We, 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 for example, obviously the Lord's Supper, but then even just the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did. Obviously, that's very connected to um, communion. But I think it's it's also uh, very interesting, really, the, the profoundness of how simple it is. And often it, we can go beyond all that. So when it comes to communion and where we are today with each other, uh, whether we're in our, um, you know, with friends, or family members, or by yourself, like me, um, is really to, to just kind of take time and, and think about those things and really consider the consider the weight. Um, and if you know we could stack up rocks, um, even as a reminder, I, I think that's better because uh, it helps us really remember um, those things. And I, I wanted to share something kind of interesting. I, I like figuring things out like this. It helps me to understand which I think is a really cool way that God, um, you know, even in uh, like the, um, what were they called? Parables and such. God's relating true realities in a way that we're going to understand. And so, not that we would understand this one, but that's why I'm going to share it. So, um, I've done, I did a little bit of research and I've known this for a little while, but I think it, it just kind of clicked to me that actually, we all know the story. Jesus, when he, before he was born, there was a census. He had to go back to Bethlehem um, to be counted or whatever. And uh, the really kind of cool thing is even is the name Bethlehem and what that means. And it means the house of bread. Um, and as I think of just, you know, how Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, and just even that connection to him being born in the house of bread. Um, and the fact that. Bread, I think, even just a symbol of, you know, it's it's a very common food and sustaining thing. And even how he says, like, I am the bread of life. And, um, you know, how much more of a, of a, a reality is um, just even taking the bread and remembering who he is um, because of that. So I just want to share that, uh, something that I, I enjoy thinking about and encourages me in my faith and just seeing more how God is really, um, 
he reveals himself in so many cool ways. And so I hope that's encouraging to you guys. Um, again, partake of communion together. Um, again, whether you're alone, you're with other people, uh, do this. Let's do this in remembrance of him uh, and really just the things that he's done um, for us, where he's kind of brought us and uh, where he's taking us, you know, eventually. Um, you know, when, when we're no longer um, held down by the, the weight and the burden of, you know, this world. So, um, bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Well, good morning. We're going to continue our study through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we're going to begin by uh, reading Ephesians 1, 1, 2, and 3. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to be uh, moving forward in our study, and, and we're going to be focusing on verses 4, 5, and 6 this morning. Uh, but before we get there, uh, it's very, very important that we uh, remember, we understand the context of the letter to the Ephesians. Remember, it's from the Apostle Paul to the saints, to the believers in Ephesus and the surrounding region. And in fact, uh, the structure of Paul's letter uh, essentially is that chapters 1, 2, and 3 lay the foundation, a doctrinal fo uh, foundation, uh, explaining to the saints uh, their identity in Christ, the spiritual blessings they have already received in Christ, so that in the second half of uh, the letter, uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6, uh, it becomes more practical. It becomes uh, more of, okay, saints, now that you know who you are, now that you know what you have received, chapters 4, 5, and 6 focus on this is what you do to live a saintly life. In fact, Ephesians 4.1 is the transitional verse, and it says this, Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Again, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Where it says walk in a manner worthy of our calling, the, the word picture is a scale, a scale. And what he says is, hey, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, I've told you uh, wonderful biblical doctrinal truths about who you are and what you already possess now in your life, I want you to live in such a way that your conduct equals your creed, that your walk equals your talk, okay? And, and that's the overall structure of uh, the book of Ephesians or Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians. And, and it's very important that we understand the context, okay, that it's written to believers uh, specifically so that they understand who they are so that they can now live that out, okay? Uh, 
So moving forward to uh, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6, in the NIV version, it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We covered that last week. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So in verse four, it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. There's a purpose for his choosing. And then in verse five, it says he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And we're going to be focusing later on, on the glorious implications of being chosen by God. What it means to be predestined, to be adopted as his sons, to become a child in God's family. But before we do that, I, I want to spend just a few moments uh, maybe helping some of you who, who hear the words, you know, he chose us in him. And in verse 5, he predestined us. And, and depending on your church background, depending on how much you've studied scriptures or how much you've read uh, in the past, you know, uh, the words chose, he chose us, you know, choosing, uh, predestination, uh, those may, may have raised some questions for you. Maybe you've studied in the past and, and maybe, you know, uh, there, there's been this uh, question in the back of your mind, maybe about uh, God's sovereignty. What does it mean that God chooses? Uh, what about this predestination thing versus human responsibility and free will, right? And, and uh, I encourage you, you know, if, if that is a desire of your heart, to, to study the whole counsel of God, all of Scripture. Um, and I wanted to uh, give you some general guidelines, some general helps, if this is a topic uh, you want to cover uh, in a small group or maybe on your own. But I felt that, that it's really important because a church history is filled with, with very intelligent men and women who have devoted countless hours and weeks and years you know, to studying uh, this particular topic and, and all the various nuances of it. And, and you know, they're across the entire spectrum. And so uh, I wanted to give you uh, just some helps if this is something that you think you may, may want to pursue as a personal study or in a small group, uh, you know, studying uh, predestination, election uh, versus human responsibility, uh, free will. Just some general guidelines, some general helps as you approach Scripture. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Very important. All Scripture is breathed out by God. If you're going to study this topic, you need to study the whole counsel of God. All of it. All of it. Okay? Uh, I've shared with you before. Uh, there's a term in, in uh, Bible study, if you will, uh, two terms called exegesis, 
which means to lead out of, versus eisegesis, which is to lead into. Essentially, exegesis, you approach scripture, you approach the text, and you let the text speak to you. Okay, You lay aside your preconceived ideas, uh, your thoughts, your opinions, and you read the totality of Scripture, and you let it speak to you. Eisegesis is where I have preconceived ideas, I have uh, maybe already a stance, a position, and I'm going to read into the text. I'm going to find verses that support my position. Okay, so very important in, in the study of Scripture, in whatever topic you're going to study, exegesis. You look at the whole counsel of God, and you let the text speak for itself. You let the text speak out of itself to you. Okay? Another important word is, is diatheke. You remember the, the nature of our covenant relationship with God is described as diatheke, which means greater to lesser. There's a greater party to a lesser party. In this case, it's God who is the greater, who is the greatest. And in a diatheke covenant relationship, the greater party has all authority. The greater party sets the terms of the agreement of the relationship. Why is that important? Because as you approach all of Scripture, you also approach all of Scripture in humility, in surrender, in submission, in diatheke to God's authority. It's God's word. It's God's word. Okay? Deuteronomy 29.29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Uh, kind of another general principle to help you in the study of Scripture is what I call mystery versus revelation. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it's, it speaks of the secret things of the Lord. And quite honestly, as you study Scripture, as you study some topics in uh, doctrinal topics or, or different things in Scripture, uh, some of it may just seem mysterious to you, may just seem mysterious to you, right? In our finite mind, it just may seem uh, very challenging to try to reconcile it all, to try to really make sense of it in our finite, limited capabilities. Okay? So you have to approach the study of Scripture, uh, specifically uh, election versus human responsibility in that general topic, with humility. With humility. That you're finite, you're limited. Right? There's other mysteries, in fact, in Scripture that, that are there that we often uh, maybe not fully understand but, but embrace, right? Uh, there's something called the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union uh, refers to Jesus being fully God and fully human. Okay? Still kind of a mystery how that, how that actually works out, right? Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. Okay? There's some mystery about how that actually, you know, to fully understand the, the inner workings and outer workings of the, the Trinity. Okay, kind of a bit of mystery there, right? How about scriptures, right? We just saw in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired or breathed out by God, and yet 
he used human authors. Okay. We hear that, we accept that, but there's still kind of a mystery about how that actually happened. We know it's through the, the Holy Spirit, but still a little bit challenging, right? Supernatural uh, events, but still challenging, a bit mysterious to our finite minds. In fact, even in the world of science, there are mysteries that, that exist that, that science still has not fully been able to definitively answer. And I was reading some articles about some of these scientific mysteries that still exist, and, and, and it was very interesting. Um, one of those mysteries is that there is no single definitive answer as to why human beings sleep. Now, we know a lot about the benefits of sleep, but there apparently is no single definitive answer as to why we sleep and other organisms on the planet that don't sleep, right? Or there is no single answer definitively as to why we yawn. Why we yawn. Another mystery is that there's a mushroom that only grows in Japan and Texas. Some, some family of mushroom only, only in in Texas and Japan. And then finally, this some of you may be familiar uh, with the mystery of these radio bursts that are uh, being uh, picked up on, on planet Earth. And apparently these radio bursts are coming from 3 billion light years away. So what's the point? The point is this, is that even in our everyday life, there are mysteries that we accept. Um, we may not fully understand uh, just because it's, it's a mystery doesn't make it wrong, doesn't make it um, invalid. It's just we don't fully understand it, right? And so that's the humility with which we need to study Scripture. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so we, we come with humility, we come with grace, even to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We give them grace to be studying as well. Okay, and, and, and another caution is that we don't become too heady. We don't become so academic in our study, studies of the mysteries of Scripture that we lose our love for the Lord, that we lose our passion to follow Jesus, that we lose our love for others. So be very careful that you don't become so academic that your heart becomes hardened and you become more heady than loving. Okay, be very, very careful about that. I came across a passage, an example of this, uh, that may help us to kind of frame it in a, in a really good kind of balanced way, right? In John six thirty seven, Jesus says this, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And someone asked Charles Spurgeon to comment on this, right? And to comment on the apparent tension in this verse between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And this is what Charles Spurgeon wrote. And I think it's helpful uh, for us uh, to kind of just summarize and give a, a, a wonderful uh, balanced heart approach to the study of Scripture. It says this. I was once asked to reconcile these two statements, and I answered, No, I never reconciled friends. These two passages never fell out. They are perfectly agreed. 
The grand declaration of the purpose of God that he will save his own is quite consistent with the widest declaration that whosoever will come to Christ shall be saved. Take then these two truths and know that they are equally precious portions of one harmonious whole. Let us not quibble over them or indulge a foolish favoritism for one and a prejudice against the other. But let us receive both with a candid, large-hearted love of truth, such as children of God should exhibit. We are not called upon to explain, but to accept. Let us believe if we cannot reconcile. Here are two jewels. Let us wear them both. Okay, so I share those general guidelines with you if you're going to pursue this uh, particular study of this particular uh, issue in Scripture or any other. Okay, that we approach it with the right heart, with the right mindset, with the right attitude. Okay, and perhaps maybe you're wondering this morning, uh, am I chosen? Am I chosen? Well, the the truth is, if you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, yes. You are one of the chosen. And if you're wondering, I had a friend, a senior pastor, who was teaching on this topic, and he said, hey, you know what? Do you want to know if you're chosen? Put your faith in Jesus. Trust him as your Savior and Lord. Then you'll know you're one of the chosen. Right? John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 1, 13 in the NIV. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. So hear the gospel and believe. Hear the gospel and believe. And then with the saints in Ephesus, as we move forward in the verses 4 and 5, you can celebrate. You can celebrate. So look at verses 4 and 5 in Ephesians 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. One of my favorite shows growing up uh, was Price is Right. You remember the Price is Right? Some of you still may watch it, right? And and they're panning the audience and they say, hey, so-and-so, come on down. You're the next contestant on the Price is Right, right? And the camera zooms in. They find them. They jump up. All their friends are high-fiving them. All the crowd goes crazy. Ah, right? And they come running down and they take their place up front, right? What is that? They were chosen. They were chosen out of the entire audience. One person is chosen, and what happens? The crowd erupts, and they're so happy, and that person is so happy, and they come running down, and they get this chance to to win a prize and maybe make it to the showcase at the end, right? Well, it is that heart of celebration, that heart of joy and exuberance 
that Paul wants the saints in Ephesus to know, to experience. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You know what that means? There's a purpose for his choosing. As a believer, he chose you before the creation of the world, right? It was his doing. He chose you, right, for a purpose. And what's the purpose? Very important. Focus on the purpose, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Because you're in Christ right now, you are holy, set apart. You are blameless in his sight. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Right? Ray Steadman says this. Do you see what that does for our sense of identity as Christians? We are not afterthoughts in God's working. We are not accidental members of his body. There are no second-class citizens in the church of Jesus Christ. We are all equal, chosen of the Father, selected to be members of his family, added to the new creation, the new order that God is producing in this world. What a fantastic privilege. It is not because of anything in us, but because of everything in him. Right? In the NIV, Colossians 1.22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. In the New Living Translation, it says this. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. Our greatest need is to be right with God. And these verses tell us that he chose us and the purpose of us choose, of him choosing us was that we would be right with him. We would be wholly blameless in his sight without a single fault. Positionally, because we're in Christ, we're holy, blameless, without a single fault in his sight at this very moment. Positionally, that's what's true about you. And then in verse 5, it says, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Right? And that word predestination simply means to ordain beforehand. And again, uh, depending on your church upbringing, there may be some misunderstanding about this word. Uh, the Bible exposition commentary uh, sheds some light and says this, This word as it is used in the Bible, he's talking about predestination. This word, as it is used in the Bible, refers primarily to what God does for saved people. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught that people are predestined to hell. Because this word refers only to God's people. The word simply means to ordain beforehand, to predetermine. Election seems to refer to people, while predestination refers to purposes. The events connected with the crucifixion of Christ were predestined. God has predestined our adoption and our conformity to Christ, as well as our future inheritance. Okay? So here's the thing. You put your faith in Jesus. You're declared legally not guilty, fully righteous, right? That's called justification. 
You're born again. You're given a new nature. That's called regeneration. But then God had determined beforehand that when you put your faith in Jesus, not only are you justified, not only are you regenerated, you are now adopted as a son into his family. What does that mean to be adopted as a son into the family of God? It means you're an heir. It means, right, in in that culture, when when a, when a, a child was adopted into the family, right, they were not a second-class son. That's, this adopted son was equal to all other sons, biological or adopted, in his father's family. We are heirs. There's an inheritance, right? And absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible truth. That he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. That he predetermined that when we put our faith in Jesus, we weren't just declared not guilty. We were adopted. We were adopted into his family in the position of sonship with all the rights. As an heir with an inheritance, with an inheritance. And then in Ephesians 1, 6, it says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Oh, we've got to praise him. We've got to praise him because we are chosen. We praise him because we are adopted into his family. Right? All, why? His grace. His grace. His un- unmerited favor. And Chuck Swindoll says this. How do we live with worry and stress and fear? How do we withstand these joy stealers? Let me be downright practical and tell you what I do. First, I remind myself early in the morning and on several occasions during the day, God, you are at work and you are in control. And Lord God, you know this is happening. You were there at the beginning and you will bring everything that occurs to a conclusion that results in your greater glory in the end. And then, then and only then, I relax. From that point on, it really doesn't matter all that much what happens. It is in God's hands. It is in God's hands. Because we have been chosen. Because we are adopted by God's grace into his family. The incredible thing is that we also have access to his throne. Hebrews 4.16 says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So we're going to sing a song that speaks to coming before the throne of God. And I encourage you, sing this song uh, with joy. Sing this song with conviction that you are chosen in God. You are holy and blameless. You are a child of God. You have access to the throne of God. And Philippians 1.6 says that God is faithful to complete what he has begun in you. So let's sing this song with joy and with conviction, knowing that because of who we are in Christ, we truly can come anytime we need to before the throne of God. Let's sing together.
Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the incredible spiritual blessings that we have received in Christ. Thank you that you chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in your sight. 
Thank you that you predestined us to be adopted as sons into your family. Thank you that you are faithful to complete what you have begun in us. Thank you that we can come into your throne room anytime we need it to find mercy and grace for all of our needs. So, Father, we love you this week. Help us to walk in these incredible truths. Help us to begin to live out who we are in Christ, knowing, knowing that we have received every spiritual blessing, knowing that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. May you be glorified in our words. May you be glorified in our thoughts. May you be glorified in our actions today and every day. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you again for being with us this morning. Have a wonderful, wonderful, blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday.